Welcome back to another episode of Agile Way podcast, where we explore challenges organizations face on their Agile journey. How to become great Scrum Master, how to change your leadership style, or how to embrace agility at the organization level. I'm Suzy Shukova, Agile coach, certified Scrum trainer, and author of the great Scrum Master book and Agile leader book, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm passionate about business agility, organizational culture, and Agile leadership, and that was the reason why I decided to start this podcast, to share with you my experiences and stories from my Agile journey. second series of this podcast focuses on business agility and it's sponsored by Emergence Journal. Today I have here with me Pete Behrens. Pete is a founder and Agile Leadership Guide at Agile Leadership Journey, a collaborative community of Agile Leadership Educators. I have a pleasure working with Pete on several occasions and it was always very inspirational. So welcome Pete Behrens. And the first question is, what Agile help you to learn about yourself? Hmm. (laughs) You start with a deep question. Um, Yeah, what did Agile help me learn about myself? You know, I I think if I'm going back and, and trying to think about me as an individual, it's it's really enabled me to, I guess come out of maybe a shell it's given me a platform to preach <laughs> i guess is is maybe a, an interesting way to say that my just a little bit of background my, my father is a, a religious preacher and uh, or was a, a religious preacher and and so i get a lot of characteristics from my father and, and my sees some in, into one of my sons in terms of the that that characteristic but you know, so Agile really gave me an opportunity, you know, getting, I guess, in on the ground floor of something uh, back in the, you know, late 90s with some of the pre-Agile stuff and, and then getting into rational software with a lot of the RUP development process stuff. And then in the early days of, of you know, what Agile was. And so while it wasn't one of the original signatories on the Agile Manifesto, I was, I was definitely somebody who came into that game pretty early and, and you know, I found that ecosystem to be something quite valuable. And, and I think, you know, to me, it, it, it gave me a home that I felt comfortable in and felt natural in and, and got to meet people like you, uh, who I probably would have never in the world intersected with if it wasn't for this weird agile thing. You said it gave you the home. So what is this home about? What is the digested version of that thing? You know, it's interesting. And, you know, I was early on in, in my uh, journey in Agile, I, I was working with an organizational development community, you know, the OD community. And I look at the OD community in the 70s and 80s, uh, 1970s and 80s, as almost like being the Agile community of its day. Like they were there to develop healthy, you know, responsive organizations, you know, better employee engagement, you know, better leadership, better, you know, better efficiency, whatever it might be. And when I was teaching them Agile, they were just basically saying, you know, you do what we do with different words. <laughs> and so if I were to kind of go back to the root 
of agility. I really look at the, how do you optimize a system? And I look at leadership in that same way. You know, some people ask me, okay, I, I, I went from being an engineer, trained as an engineer and computer scientist and, you know, optimizing technical systems, database systems. And now I'm a leadership trainer and coach. How do you make that leap or what is that path? And, and I look at what leaders do as engineering. In fact, you know, if you think about what is the role of leader, it's to, it's to optimize a people system to deliver the most value with the least amount of, you know, resources or time in the most effective way. And that's an engineering problem. So I actually find the complexity of people systems to be incredibly rewarding to work on and very, very challenging to, to get your arms around. It's interesting because you speak about people system from this engineering perspective. So what makes it uh, different working with leaders now and comparing to working with those engineers back then? What's the difference? You know, I, I started on my leadership education journey. You know, I, I go back and, and, and look at my history and you know, I was never taught leadership. You know, I, I, I became a leader. I, I had leadership, maybe talents, and, and I developed leadership experience by doing it and failing and trying again. I was never really taught leadership. And, and so as, as we were teaching Agile and Scrum and, and going into organizations to try to improve them, you know, we, we see failure and we see the fact that leaders aren't getting it. They, they overrule it. They, 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 it's two, it was almost like two different systems. And I think you see this as well in many companies. And that put me on the journey that says, all right, if this is going to work, if Agile is going to work, it, leaders have to have a role. And, and so Getting back to your question, okay, what's the difference, I guess, in, in terms of teaching engineers and teaching leaders? I mean, at their core, I think we're all skeptical. <laughs> we're all, we all don't, we, none of us want a sales job, right? And, and so you've got to come with data. You've got to come with, with evidence. You get, I think from that perspective, they're the same, you know, it's just leaders require a little bit more who are you coming to the table to try to convince me otherwise? Because they've had longer, most of those leaders have had longer to become skeptical and longer to become, you know, who they are. And so they have more sway. And, and so getting their um, credentials, getting their, their recognition, or at least the willingness to open themselves up might just be a little bit harder. When we speak about opening up leaders and having leaders as a position and they need to have a position in that new world, right? So you spend quite the last few, at least years, maybe a decade working with leaders. How would you describe, like, what is it to be a leader? You know, it, just talking with somebody on our podcast, um, you know, they described, you know, leadership as communication. I think it's more than that. You know, as I, as I look at leadership, you know, I look at the concept of there isn't a leader without followers. There isn't a leader without a system, right? And, and most people focus leadership on what we do. We focus on products, services, strategy, direction, you know, the company. You know, it's all, it's all focused on, you know, that value creation system. But to me, coming down to leadership, it, it's all about the only way we can solve some of these problems is doing it together. And, and, and leadership is about bringing together people that can only solve a problem 
collectively. We can't do this alone. And that's a fundamentally a, a people problem. And, and this is where I get back to leadership. Leaders aren't taught to be people leaders. You know, we're, we're taught in technology. We're taught in, you know, some kind of, you know, specialty, sales, marketing, whatever. We're, we're taught in, you know, maybe strategy and, and, you know, direction and, you know, maybe some things around communication. But I don't believe leaders are taught how to effectively work with people. Most leaders in organizations, I know I didn't, um, and, and all the leaders that I work with coaching wise, this is a, it's a huge gap. And, and yet this is your number one role is, is working with and through people to accomplish goals. And, and so you add the word agile to that. And it's like, what does that, you know, I, maybe I'm premising your next question here, but you know, say, okay, what's different with agile leadership to just good, solid leadership. And, and really, uh, you know, what I see is that driver we all teach in agile, which is things are speeding up. Things are becoming more complex. The, the concept of being able to have a solution that worked in the past doesn't work anymore. The concept of being able to repeat, you know, isn't possible anymore. So, so having that creativity and, and, uh, you know, agility in real time is, is, is growing. And, and that's where the agile piece comes in, but um, it's a people problem. So working with agile leaders, what are they missing the most? You develop, um, I don't know, hundreds of agile leaders went through your programs, right, in various different forms and lengths. What are they missing the most? Or what can you give them, maybe? Let me tell them what we're not giving them, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of agile leadership out there basically teaching them agile. <laughs> they, they don't need that. I, there's enough classes out there to teach agile. And I, I suggest highly to all leaders go to some agile classes, you know, Scrum Master and, and Scrum and Safe and whatever. But that's, that's not sufficient. Uh, you know, so, so what tends to happen, you know, I look at, okay, what defines bad leadership? Now there's a scale and, and you can get really purposefully bad leadership. This would be things like, you know, maybe, or, you know, overpowering leadership, or you could get, you know, even manipulative leadership or vindicative leadership, political leadership, right? There's, there is bad leadership out in the world. And, you know, we're not really here to help that because I don't think you can really help that. The, those people are going to go that direction because they feel it's to their advantage. And you're not going to necessarily convince someone otherwise there, but that's a very small slice of the leadership ecosystem. Uh, my belief is that 90% of leaders are simply unaware and uneducated. And so like me, and, and I was this way too, you, you just, you're blind leading the blind. You know, we have leaders learning through a, a, an apprentice style from leaders who, you know, they think understand this stuff. And so, and so we see a lot of leaders coming in with a, with a high lack of awareness. Uh, one study, just to kind of hit one from about five years ago, is a Pennis study. They said 80% of leaders believe they're supportive of employees, you know, supportive, they care, they're, they're there, they, they empathize. They ask employees the same question, only 25% agree, right? So there's this massive gap. What is that gap? That's an unconscious gap of just lack of awareness. What am I doing and how do others perceive that is huge. So when we think about agile leadership, the fundamental, and this is probably true of any leadership development, the fundamental starting point has to be become more aware and then the second thing is become more rare, aware more quickly so that you can make those choices more effectively 
before it's too late. And that's where some of that agility starts to come in. And you're using those joiners uh, model going from expert achiever to catalyst uh, as one of those uh, getting awareness, right? Is there anything else you're using to help leaders to be aware? Yeah, Bill Joiner's work does really well. And the reason I like that model, um, leadership agility model, is it's simple. And I, I love models that are simple and help people connect without having to do a lot of theory and study. That one, people know within you know a half an hour, oh, I see myself, right? And so that's valuable, right? To see yourself in, into a model. But the other reason I, I enjoy that model is it has a tremendous amount of research. Bill Joyner built on probably 20 other years of research done by others in the, in the 1980s and 90s. Uh, Bradford and Cohn, if you want to re read any like Managing for Excellence, Power Up, they've written a number of books. I was introduced to the model before Bill Joyner, probably you know eight years before Bill Joyner. And actually, when Bill Joyner came along, he added then co-creator and synergist and some other levels. And I was like frustrated, Bill, you know, what is these are very esoterical, you know, beyond catalyst. And, and your 360 only focuses on these three. Anyways, but but yeah, it's the research. It's it's models that have had a lot of study to them are, are quite valuable to me. Um, when we think about awareness, to us, that's like the backbone, but then we're pulling in lots of other well-studied, you know. Elements. So, for example, David Rock has a lot of really great research in neuroleadership, uh, understanding how our brains react to threat and rewards. You know, and um, you know things around uh, William Bridges, who who talks about transition and being more aware of the difference between how people change and how their brains and and their mindset transition. So, to us, it's the expert achiever catalyst is is a fundamental block, but you wrapper that with a lot of really helpful tools. And that's what I find to be the critical help for leaders. It's not just theory. We actually can provide you some techniques, some models, some, some methods to practice, and it becomes a lot more pragmatic that way. And, and so I think a lot of leaders need something to do, not just to think about. And for some leaders, it might be quite tough, um, you know, reflection. Like you thought that you're so collaborative and you're a catalyst and everything goes as well. And then that feedback you got from that 360 might show you in a completely different light. So do you have people who become angry on that or completely reject it? Or and what do you do if that happens? I, be, I became angry when I got my feedback. <laughs> You know, it's, uh, I find, you know, and, and talking about those people who teach, you know, they say, okay, those who can't do teach, it's incredibly powerful to go through your own stories. And, you know, just to, just to highlight one, you know, I was giving some feedback on hiring a senior leader in our organization. And, you know, I put out there like, hey, I'd, I'd like to get some feedback before we put out this, this job, you know, and, and hire, hire her. And, you know, we went through that feedback process. We ended up hiring her. And that it, was, it was a couple months later when I got some 360 feedback that was like, Pete, remember that hiring process, how you asked for feedback? He said, your mind was already made up. Our feedback didn't matter. And I was like, shit, you know, sorry, maybe I don't swear on your podcast. Um, but I, I had to admit, you know, I was frustrated, but I was more frustrated with myself. You know, I was mad at myself. 
yeah, we do see some leaders who get mad, but I don't often see, at least I don't see yelling at the messenger. I see a lot more defensiveness, like I'm not willing to accept the data, or maybe I don't see the data. I don't really see that anger like retribution or anything like that. For me, it was more about, okay, I can see now how I was asking for one type of feedback, but in my mind, I was really looking at something else. So in this case, I was asking generically, give me feedback, but I was specifically in my mind thinking, okay, we're going to hire her, but I want to understand how to let her fit into our system. I don't know how to, you know, she could do lots of different things, but I didn't ask that question. And so again, that, that lack of awareness to me, it's, it's not a matter of whether you're going to have a lack of awareness because we all will, we all have bias. It's how quickly you can respond and then how, open our people to sharing that with you, right? This is where the psychological safety bit comes in. Are people willing to give you that feedback? You know, in this case, it came two months later. That sucks. You know, I've had situations where it's maybe right after a meeting, you're like, oh, I totally blew that. And, and I did that with one of our Agile Leadership Journey Guides. We ran a meeting. I made a joke, had no idea the joke didn't land at all, and totally threw off this other person. We ran the meeting and she emailed me after the meeting and said, Pete, what you said hurt. And I was like, oh, crap. Right. So I guess my stories here are illustrating. You don't need a 360 for feedback. You need an environment that allows that feedback to occur. And what I'm most proud of in those situations is that the feedback came. And that I was able to hear it because most leaders won't get that. That's part of a problem that most of the, the bigger the corporation is, the harder is to raise the transparency and speak about those things. So people are hiding it, creating this artificial you know, harmony and um, not really saying things openly. So uh, how can you help organizations to raise that transparency so they can actually have that feedback? Because as you said, that's at the beginning of every change. If you don't have that feedback, you can't inspect it up, you can't improve. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting when leaders come into our workshops, and maybe you see this too in teaching leadership, you know, most leaders want to focus on the system. Hey, help me fix the culture. Help me fix my team. Help me fix, you know, my team's not sharing. My team's not collaborating. My team's not. And it's like, okay, have you looked in the mirror, right? And, and so, yeah, we'll focus on the system. And, and maybe there's something in your culture that's driving some of that. But let's start with you. How open are you to, to receive feedback? How in, inviting are you? And I, I use the term, you know, all leaders have a default power style. And, you know, you and I have talked about power style. We've tried to co-teach. And I know when you and I were in that co-teaching process, that was really hard for you. Because, okay, what, what's going on with Pete? Pete's tall. Pete's white, male, loud, assertive. Right. I've got all these default power styles that are just part of who I am. And unless I create an ecosystem that totally starts to pull that apart and totally starts to help you feel comfortable in that ecosystem, it's almost impossible for you to operate there. And I know that. And I know we struggled in collaborating and trying to co-teach exactly because of that. I learned a lot from that. I failed. In, in doing that with you as well. You're not, you're not alone there, by the way. I'm a hard person to co-train with, but I've learned a lot in that journey. And, and so 
that's just one of those, again, those examples that all leaders are bringing a power style. You bring a power style. What does your power style do to others? Are they comfortable sharing with you? You know, crazy color hair lady in Prague who's got some, you know, funky, you know, personality traits and, and is really fun. What is it you create in your ecosystem that allows people to give you feedback? So I'm not alone in that, but I certainly, I'm, I'm starting to recognize some of my, my biases. It's actually good that you mentioned because I'm co-training tomorrow, so I really need to be conscious about uh, what I'm creating for the other people because uh, that could be the similar type of thing. We co-trained a couple of times already, so <laughs> I will I'm be sure fine. you will do. It's I'm just sure you will do like, much better. I think I'm going to have a different mind tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. life is changing, right? So uh, I hear a lot about people are leaving their jobs and reconsidering if they even want to work or have a better life balance or something. So what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I'm certainly doing a lot of reading on, on you know, at least in the U.S., I, I'm hearing the term the great resignation. I think Forbes had an article on that recently. And, you know, there's been a number of stuff. I was just reading um, for one of our podcasts. I was just reading um the, there was a, a, it's called Blind. It's a group of, of anonymous kind of workers that, that network together. And they did a survey about 3,000 leaders. They said a third of those leaders are, would not come back to work if forced to, like come back to the office if, if forced to. Um, and they said 11% of the respondents actually said they've already negotiated a work from home forever agreement. You know, and so, okay, so number one, you know, we're, we're seeing a, a system here where I, I think COVID, while it's been obviously catastrophic to human life, it's been an incredible shakeup to many of these systems that I think are waking up some cultures and waking up some choices that I don't have to work for a bad boss. I don't have to work in a bad organization or bad culture. Um, you know, there was a study at least 10 or 15 years ago, I remember saying that, you know, there, it, it showed 70% of employees felt their most stress at work came from their manager. It was like, really? Like, <laughs> that's why people leave, leave their job. So I guess what I'm saying by this is, I think this is going to put a new requirement, a, a new expectation on leaders that unless we transition to be more humane, more connected to employees and in a, in a diverse way, like respectful way, uh, and, you know, this is where, you know, diversity, inclusion, equity, you know, those types of things come into play. Unless leaders start to make those gains, I think we're going to continue to see some of these trends. And I think employees are going to go to places where they feel that welcome. So, so yeah, I think COVID is in that sense is creating an incredible shift. Do you see a shift in leadership education, like the traditional one, the MBAs and those type of programs, or are they still the same as nothing would change? Or, you know, I wish I had better to report there. You know, it's it's I'm not seeing, or I haven't read any studies that says leadership development's improving, leadership education's improving. Um, all the, the research I have um, comes from a few years ago where it says only about a third of, of, of leaders actually get trained. Only about a third of the leaders get either trained or mentored or coached. I mean, it's, it's a really small group. That, that leaves 60 some percent, at least two thirds of the people that are essentially stumbling through learning how to lead 
And I, I was one of those people. I wish that were different. I believe, you know, programs like the Certified Agile Leadership, programs like our Agile Leadership Journey, you know, we're microcosms in a multi-billion dollar leaders of education space. And, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to make a dent in, in some of these things. But no, I, I think at least in the U.S., companies aren't investing enough in leadership and leadership development. Um, and so, you know, I'm not sure what to do about it other than stew and, and, and you know, talk about it. Uh, but I encourage everybody listening to challenge kind of your organization's ecosystems. You know, what, what do we have? What can we do? And this goes beyond the communication workshop that we have or, you know, the employee review process that we go through. I don't call those leadership training. Like, that's just how to do a task. I'm talking about, am I self-aware of how I'm behaving, how I think, and how that impacts my employees? We don't teach that. We should also give them some psychological background, right? Because we speak about talking to people, working with people. So there's something I'm trying to engineer, same as you, right? And I've been um, you know, spending half of my career after I quit as a developer, working with people, developing people, teaching people. I have no formal, like I do some classes. I did some leadership classes. I did my MBA, but I never really studied psychology. Yeah. And I think I should yeah. have. Yeah. Still have it on my list somewhere, but I think <laughs> we would need some crash course, like uh, really some big basics, etc. All of us, right? Well, and yeah, and, you know, and I know you have studied things like you know systems coaching, which oh, is yeah. a psychological kind of parallel, you know. And even if we got leaders to to understand a little bit more of systemic uh, understanding, and you know, how does a system work, and what happens when we get you know different people together, and and you know, understanding just, you know, how power is demonstrated in a meeting and just being able to observe the power dynamics in, in that setting. Um, yeah, so you're right. I think what is needed, and that's really what we're trying to attack here when I think about what is Agile Leadership Journey doing and what are we doing through our podcast is we're, we're trying to help leaders, you know, we call it relearning leadership. You got to unlearn. You got to let go of some of the things you've been taught. Yeah. It's important to talk strategy and direction and technologies and things, but we've got a shift. And there was a, a really interesting um, psychologist that talked about when we focus heavily on problems and solutions and like spreadsheets and data and, and you know, all those things we focus on at work, that part of your brain activates, but the social part of your brain shuts down. And the opposite is true too. When you focus on social relationships, people, you know, heart feelings, you know, you know, then that part of your brain activates and then the mechanical side slows. It's really fascinating, right? What the neuroscience is starting to say about the more you focus, the more it rewards that focus system. And, and so we get, a. I think today our MBA programs and a lot of our leadership development programs are highly activating that thinking side, but not the connection side. So I guess we need to balance as everything, right? Good, good. I have a last question for you. And that's turned to be similar for or same for all of my guests in at least the second series. So where do you see the future of Agile? And you know, it changes past 20 years significantly. So what do you think? Where is it going? Yeah, I love kind of that historical and future perspective. You know, if I let me just answer your question by going back in history first. 
go back to Taylorism. Taylorism was optimizing a system, right? They just did it a different way. Lean, Deming, optimizing a system, just a different way. Agile, optimizing a system. So what's different in those systems? Well, you know, we're talking about relatively simple systems and mechanical systems. We're talking about, you know, um, fairly complicated, you know, cars and, and things like that as we're getting into, into Deming. Today, we're talking about creating brand new things that have never existed before. So where does it, where does it go? Um, you know, I don't think we're ever going to be out of what it means to optimize a system. And so the question then becomes, you know, what's next? I, I look at is some of the highest performing focused types of organizations in the globe. So take like, for example, F1 racing. If you do not perform, you lose funding, right? It's completely competitive. You got some of the highest performing machines and, and drivers in the world competing for microseconds. And every day, every week, every year, they show up and say, how do we get better? I think if we can, as, as, as you know, an entity, as an organization, if you can kind of get around that mindset of just who are we and, and how can we get better? To me, that's where kind of agile is about. That's what it's focused on, just faster feedback cycles. How do we get better? But it has to have a more human twist to it. And so I'll put that last piece in there, that if we don't move into a more humanistic kind of society, you know, I think, um, you know, maybe it's just a society I don't want to live in. And so then maybe that's just a, maybe that's just my own bias. And I'm with you on that one. So thank you very much for joining me on this podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate the opportunity to talk with you as always. And um, yeah, enjoy, um, enjoy doing these because I, I find them to be fun to listen to as well. In summary, the role of a leader is to optimize the system to deliver the highest value with the least amount of time in the most effective way. There is no leader without followers. There is no leader without system. Leadership is about bringing together people who can solve the problem collectively. But leaders aren't taught on how to effectively work with people. The fundamental step agile leaders need to start with is to become more aware of themselves, get awareness quickly so that they can respond quickly to the changes, to the situation and to the feedback. In order to be effective agile leaders, we need to activate not only the thinking side, but primarily the connection side. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Agile Way podcast hosted by Zuzi Shekhova, author of the Great Scrum Master book and Agile Leader book. If you love listening to this podcast, please leave us a review. If there is any topic you are particularly interested in and would like to hear another episode on it, let me know. For more information about me and my Agile classes, visit our website sochova.com S-O-C-H-O-V-A dot com Thank you for listening.